0: Hey everyone welcome into the irish nfl show we are sunday nights a, a novice show michael McQueen, colin crone and brian o'leary presented by the earlingas college football classic august 27 two months to go boys until tickets uh are done tickets and sale now at the minute for that game Northwestern against nebraska also presented by trust gaming the best gaming geared to suit any budget check out trust gaming on instagram and our friends over at mini arcade systems uh check out a few shows over the next few weeks we will be coming to you from their HQ, excited to do out there. Talking about excitement, uh, Colm Cronin, Colm, you're, did, did you get a chance to go over to Coventry to bend the magachipi, you no?
1: Know? I'm just going to bring it up a uh, up. Unfortunately not, and I'm sure people are still confused about uh, what, what, what that's in relation to. But it has been um, quite the week of um, drama in the NFL, though maybe not the sort of drama the, the league would uh, would have wanted.
0: Ryan, I was leaving school and going to college when the Celtic Tiger happened. Uh, the Rams are, the Rams are getting me back to my old school. Life.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, for, for, I think it just uh, anyway, it hasn't picked up on the news we've seen this week two Of their marquee players, two key players who who were real contributors in the playoff, and obviously in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Cooper Cup has been locked up for three years, and. Um, aaron donald i have to say about that one has also got his contract which is an unusual one because he didn't get any extension to the contract he just got another 40 million on top of the contract i think the question that's come out since then predominantly outside of the rams is how are they doing these deals because let's not forget very early in the off season they had matthew stafford signed up they brought in alan robinson during free agency um bobby wagner was picked up from the seahawks so i don't think they're massaging the salary cap to to benefit them, but I think the reality is, if you look at what's happened, they've got three years now, and after three years, it's all going to, you know, fall flat in its face. Sometimes they fall flat in face. They may win another Super Bowl in that time, but they've got three years potentially to go back and win another one.
0: Colin would uh, say, I, f- I think I worked out, you know, the whole thing with extensions: Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, as as Brian has mentioned there, Bobby Wagner, uh, Alan Robinson. I, you almost forget I, I, Alan yeah. Robinson. If you take all that money, it's over like three or four hundred million dollars where are they getting this money from and i know we can sit here and we can say oh they'll they'll be given a sign-in bonus or whatever this is mad stuff no mad stuff even dumpy stuff
1: well the the league has changed and the people are are looking at the cap in different ways people have always looked at it in, in certain different ways but it's getting ever more creative andrew brandt did a, a very good piece where he kind of talked about this but this has been the case you, if you have a cash cash rich owner you can play around, you know, because the the cap is accounting, as Andrew Brand says, and cash is cash. So uh, this is where where it comes from. Teams have learned, um, and teams have learned how to make it work for for them.
2: There is a lot of teams, Michael, in the league that do work off the old traditional. We spend within our within our means, and they're very reliant on gate receipts and sales from jays and stuff like. One team has just been to the sit ball, the Bengals. They're very reliant on what comes in the door from, from fans during the season. And there's other teams, I'd say Steelers, same, like obviously traditions of the Rooney family. But there is other ones, like Colin's kind of touched on that. Very extravagant donors and very rich owners. And um, there's a new owner in the league. Um, he looks like he's got a few quid to spend as well. Um, I'm surprised we didn't start with that one, but maybe we should. Because uh, it's been going on for quite a while. Even before this show ever originated, the Broncos were looking to get an owner. And it finally came to pass this week.
0: Yeah, Rob Walton taking over the Broncos, obviously pending uh, league approval, which should be okay because he's related to Cronky. Uh Colin, the most expensive deal in sports history, no matter what Mark Cockerell might say on a WhatsApp group, uh, for $4.7 billion. Uh, time for a new stadium, yeah? And you've got a quarterback. It's an exciting deal for Broncos fans. It's going to make that AFC West even more tastier if they get a SoFi-ish stadium, isn't it?
1: Well, this is the, look, as, as Broncos fans, we've been wanting this for years, that the reality is the team was drifting under the trust. It just didn't have the, the leadership that you get from having a single owner. You saw that play out in a number of different ways. The Broncos being forced to play a game without a QB. That just wouldn't have happened to a Gronke. That wouldn't have happened to a Jerry Jones. I don't think that would, will ever happen to a Bob Walton. It certainly, look, at the arms race that we've all talked about in the AFC, West, Uh, it adds some extra spice to that. Could there be a new stadium? Yeah, um, potentially. um, But I I think as a Broncos fan, you want your owner to be interested in winning football games and fingers crossed that will be the, the case. For others around the league, I suppose it raises the question, are there some owners looking at this going, hang on, the Panthers went for you know 2.2 or 2.3 the Broncos now going for uh 4.7 is it time that to maybe cash out could we see a couple of other sales that might be something to to keep an eye on potentially
0: I was getting excited Brian thinking that for all the fans here up in Ulster that they can go to Asda and buy some Broncos jerseys because it's owned by Walmart but they're not even owned by them anymore so uh I guess I yeah, there's as the another jersey. are you excited at this news? As, as I, I am. Partner? I am
2: excited. I'm excited. For, I'm excited for you two guys. I'm excited that we don't have to talk about it anymore, and uh, I can understand the level of excitement for Broncos fans. I saw one Broncos fan today saying, "We now have a marquee owner, a marquee team, a marquee quarterback, and a marquee coaching staff." And I would say, "Pump the brakes there," because your head coach hasn't managed one game in the league yet, yeah, just like my team hasn't. So let's just go easy on that part of things. But yeah, great excitement. Uh, for Broncos fans, and great excitement for the other orange uh, contingent up the north. Armagh with a great win at the weekend. boy well, thought I'd show that in.
1: <laughs> He's stunned into uh, silence at that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think he's going into shock every last one.
1: I think we might. I think we we might
2: have. Yeah, of all of all, of all moments to lose. Is- he might come back in in a second but uh yeah look we, we can uh joke around the air situation look i i jokingly in his say in there. we're glad in the way that the, the deal is over because i suppose it has been quite a long standing and i i agree with your point column if I hadn't been that situation in november 2020 when they were due to play the saints and there was no quarterback of their own doing let's be fair you know you did call it oh yeah the time. absolutely you know this that was a mess that was wasn't delivered by anybody else but themselves But uh, yeah, I do agree if that was an owner team, for example, like the story franchise, like showing the Giants with the Mara family. You think John Mara would allow the Giants to play a game without a a quarterback? Wouldn't happen in a million years. So um, interesting that it's all. What about the Deshaun Watson stuff? Are we getting into that one, Colin?
1: Uh, i think we uh it's something that maybe uh we will get into with our our guest on uh this week's uh show uh one of our guests on this week's show it's obviously something um that will reverberate around the, the league and something that i think came as a surprise to to fans um you know and obviously the. The New York Times have done their due diligence um, and questions now around the Browns and their owners and uh, what exactly it all means for uh, Deshaun Watson. See uh, Mike Florio during the week speculating that it might mean millions and millions in uh, forfeited money. Uh, Other people speculating that it might mean uh, more than a season long suspension. Um, It will be very interesting. That will be quite a a situation to to keep an eye on.
2: You you touched on the New York Times article, and Mina Kimes, I don't know if you had an opportunity to see your uh, piece on our Twitter page, but it originated from the ESPN coverage over the past few days. But essentially what she said was, and we know how she feels about the situation, she's been very transparent about how she feels about the deal with the Browns, and she says, it's amazing that the New York Times can go off and do their homework and do their their investigation, but yet the Cleveland Browns struggle um, to do the same kind of investigation, and they were very comfortable with the situation. And um, I think there might be a bit of buyer's remorse within the Browns. You know, over the coming months, not so much because of the player he's got all the ability in the world, but um, if he does get a year ban, I mean, if he gets a year ban, he, essentially, then if you say, for example, he gets a year ban and he's gone for the for the season, with, before we even get to the stage where you know all the cases are taken care of, he won't have played. It, he won't have played in the NFL for two years. You know, he, he, he stepped away last year, which the Texans were happy to do. I think it was very much, you just go and do your business, don't interfere with the team for the year, and we'll pay you what we have to pay. So he's gone for a year. Now, obviously, the situation looks more than likely. He's certainly gone for at least half the season, if not the full season.
0: Well, I can say right now that I am never slagging Azda or Binley Mega Chippy ever again. My Wi-Fi up here, lads, I don't know what's going on down there, but the Wi-Fi up here, usually grand. I don't know, Colin, no? Not going to
1: yeah, yeah, I, I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought, I thought you'd walked out in disgust after uh, Brian's uh, comment, but uh, good to know it was just a Wi-Fi issue.
0: Look, like Brian trying to talk about any other team apart from Dublin's, like supporting the Patriots. Nobody cares. Like you know, it's, it's easy. It's grand. Cut them in half and we'll see what happens. And um, yeah, Brian. I haven't
2: mentioned the Doves months this year. We let's not focus on the GEA too much. This is an NFL show, but look, <laughs> we were we were talking about uh Deshaun Watson situation, Michael. After you did drop off for a couple of minutes, and obviously, we've we're going to get get into it with uh, on our show tonight as well. With we are, interviews. and uh, it, it's a crazy situation. And um, you know, hopefully, come come preseason, it will be gone away one way or you the know, so we can start enjoying preseason action and then, and then the season that's ahead of us.
0: Well, I I obviously haven't watched this back because my computer was off, my Wi-Fi was off. I will say this: I don't think he plays until at least week ten this season. I think the article this week is concerning, and I'll leave it at that because I don't even think he should be talked about at the minute. And I think Brown. I feel sorry for Brown's fans. However, we're gonna talk now about not the, the Browns. Uh,
1: I was. I feel fo- sorry for their fans, not not the owners. And there's there's five other very relieved teams in the league. I imagine.
0: Absolutely, there are multiple alternative universes where he's on a different team right now, and we'll not get into that. Um, yeah. Look, really good show this week. For some reason, Brian's got his big guest on this week, and I know he's going to be on in a little bit. Very excited for that. I'm looking forward to getting George Payton on in return. Now, Colin, uh, who's coming on first?
1: Um, well, the our our, our first our first guest, um, are we we're we're holding our very special guest, um, who in in fairness we are we are very honoured, um, we can say it at this point to to welcome, um, Joe Shane to the the show later on to have uh, the Giants GM, a man who did a phenomenal job in uh, Buffalo, and I understand Brian's excitement. Um, you know, we we had heard good stories about George Payton, and as Broncos fans, were delighted with him. Um, similar stories about Joe, Joe Shane, and he has done a really good job to start off. We are honoured to, to welcome him later on. Um, the our our first guest uh, on tonight's show, I suppose, allows us to discuss all of the. Um, we I think we we get into. Probably what, what, round about 50% of the league, I think uh, we we discussed yeah. uh, with, with Matt. Um, we are delighted to welcome um, from Fan Sighted and from Stacking the Box, um, Matt Verdam, and uh, he is our first guest on the Irish NFL show this evening.
0: Tonight on the Irish NFL show, uh, great to have him on. He's a national NFL reporter a Fan sided, and he's also the host of the Stacking the Box podcast, Matt Werderam, um, Matt, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Matt, we ask everyone this, especially our friends over in the States. Uh, do you have any Irish heritage yourself?
3: I'm a quarter Irish. I'm a quarter Irish. My mother and sister spent about 10 days in Dublin uh, right before the pandemic started in 2020. Uh, I've never been. I'd love to go. Uh, my dad's side is half Irish, so it would, it would be nice to get back there and see the, uh, the homeland, so to speak. But I've never been. Uh, it's on the bucket list.
1: Well, now that uh, everything's back open again and uh, you can enjoy uh, our wonderful pubs, uh, you should definitely find uh, find your way over here, Matt. Um, look, I, we may as well dive straight into it. One thing I, I'm interested in, in chatting to you about because there's been a lot of um, talk this off season about the Chargers and the Chargers winning the offseason and the draft and the acquisitions. Um, and uh, I, I saw, you know, everyone's talking potentially their year and you had tweeted um, that, you know, the, the last decade it's been this year for, for the Charger. It feels a little bit like Liverpool in the, the 1990s. What are your thoughts on, on this uh, Chargers team? Can they, uh, can they actually make a deep playoff run?
3: I think they're really talented. Um, I would make an argument that they're the most talented team in the AFC West, which is, I think, the most loaded division in the AFC. Look, Kansas City obviously uh, is always there, has won it six years in a row. Uh, Denver has upgraded significantly with Russell Wilson. Uh, the Raiders maybe overachieved a little last year, but then this year went out and got Devonte Adams and got Chandler Jones. So that division is not without star power. The Chargers certainly have it. J.C. Jackson comes in, Khalil Max, Bastian Austin Day. Uh, I like their pick of Zion Johnson in the first round, the guard out of Boston College. But my point with the Chargers is I feel like we go through this exercise every year where every single year we sit here in the preseason, we're like, you know who's going to be good this year? The Chargers. And then we get into the season, you're like, you know who really disappointed everybody this year? The Chargers. And so I'm kind of to a point like, look, you were supposed to be a playoff team last year, and lost three of your final four games, including a game against Houston where Houston was literally missing half of its roster with guys out for COVID. Then you went and played the Raiders in a winner-take-all game, hell, a tie-take-all game, and lost that game. I think the Chargers ceiling is really, really high. But I'm also kind of in the mode with the Chargers, kind of like I always seem to be in the NFC with the Vikings, like win some games, show me you can win big games, And then I'll put you in that group with Kansas City and with Buffalo. And even, I think, Cincinnati deserves to be in that class now. I just need to see it. But the talent's there.
2: Matt, one team that has a very talented defense, but I'd argue their offense is sporadic, is the Titans. They were the number one seed last year. People were concerned about Tannehill. Obviously, his playoff game was quite poor. And now they've gone and traded A.J. Brown to the Eagles. And I know they they came out two weeks before the draft saying. We're not going to trade him. Draft night to trade him. And now Brooks has come in. The pressure straight away is on him to step up as the number one wide receiver. Your thoughts on this team, are Like, are they going to take a step back to your spe- this year, especially with the Colts bringing in Matt Ryan on the other side of the, of the division?
3: Yeah, look, I, I think they do take a step back for a few reasons. It's it's a weird thing to say about them that you feel like they're due for regression, considering they beat just about every good team they played last year. They beat Buffalo, they beat Kansas City, they beat the Rams, they swept the Colts. I mean, they, they want a lot of games against good teams. It wasn't as though they went out there and just beat up on a bunch of terrible football teams. However, you do wonder, like Henry's had a huge workload throughout his career, even dating back with him to high school. I mean, he has always been a guy who's carried the ball a ton. Now you look at him and say, okay, well, last year he got hurt. Does he get hurt again? Was that a one-off? I think it's a fair question. Brown is gone. Julio Jones did nothing last year. They brought him in. They thought he would be a nice acquisition. He was not. He's gone. They did bring in Robert Woods, but is he healthy to start? Is he not? Traylon Burks, as you mentioned, he comes in. There is a lot of pressure on him. He comes out of Arkansas, and he's going to be a guy who pretty much right away is going to get a ton of targets. I look at the Titans and think not only are the Colts better with Matt Ryan, Jacksonville is going to be better. Now, Jacksonville may not be a team that wins 11 games, but Urban Meyer, just the fact he's not there, that's like five extra wins for Jacksonville. Like just His his subtraction alone, they will win more football games. And then you bring in an actual head coach and Doug Peterson, Look, say what you will about the free agency. If they brought in talent, whether they overspend for it's a whole other argument. If they brought in talent, I think those are harder games. And last year, the Colts lost to Jacksonville once. Uh, you know, I, I think the Colts maybe split with them again. The Titans swept them. You know, that was the big difference in the division. Maybe this time around, the Titans only split with them. Um, the AFC South also has the disadvantage of playing the AFC West. Like, I look at the AFC West and think, in my opinion, the Raiders are the fourth team in the AFC West. If you put them in the AFC South, I'd pick them to win the division. So, I mean, that, that's you're just talking about a gauntlet. Um, I pick every single game. It's kind of a ritual I do before before the season. I, I do it on schedule release night um, to sickness. I didn't even have Tennessee making the playoffs. So I, I just think it's going to be a really challenging slate for everybody in the AFC that doesn't have an absolute elite top tier quarterback like a Mahomes and Allen, you know, so on and so forth.
0: Just when you think, Matt, that you're going to get a week in the NFL offseason where you know you might get a bit of a quieter week, you have Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, and then, then the whole situation again now with Deshaun Watson. I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but one thing I will ask is this: in, in you know, in your opinion, do you think we're going to look at maybe an extended period for him being being, I guess, banned from games, or are we a long way off on that? And is it really just dependent on what might happen around certain things? It's
3: impossible to say, and anybody who says they know is is a liar or they're Roger Goodell. Um, I, look, if I had to guess sitting here today, I do not think he will play a game this season. I, I don't. I, I think he will get suspended indefinitely or he'll be on the commissioner's exempt list. And I know Goodell has said he won't go on the exempt list unless there's a legal issue. And right now, of course, everything that he's facing is a civil suit, and that's not Legal necessarily. There's no criminal charges. All, all criminal complaints, all 10 of them were dismissed by two separate Texas grand juries. You're still facing 24 civil suits. Now all of a sudden, now the Texans are involved, as they reportedly, according to this piece in the New York Times by Jenny Ventris, um, provided him, provided Watson with a non disclosure agreement. Uh, they also helped him to book massages. Uh, so now they're involved in this. I think if you're Goodell and you're the NFL. The last thing that you want is Deshaun Watson on a football field until all of this is adjudicated. I don't know. Like the biggest fear you have to have is the NFL. You suspend him for a determined amount of time, and halfway through that suspension, three quarters of the way through that suspension, maybe a game after he comes back from that suspension, oh, they found a video of one of these massages. Oh, you know, hey, there, or there's or there's six more civil suits coming. Like I. If I'm Goodell, I'm sitting down with his agent, David Mulligata, I'm sitting down with lawyer Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson and explaining to them, you're not playing until all this is adjudicated, and then we will revisit it, Um, which makes for a fascinating situation if that were to happen with Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Now, all of a sudden, the Browns need Baker Mayfield more than they've ever needed him. Um, And that opens up a whole other Pandora's box. But I... I do not think he's going to play this year. I could be wrong. It's a, it's an educated guess, but yeah, I, it's only getting worse. It's not getting better.
1: Well, if he, if he doesn't play, um, one of the AFC North teams will be uh, happy, I guess, given the the situation put the Browns in is the Steelers and Steelers who've never had a, a losing season under Mike Tomlin, but have, have struggled in, you'd have to say a little bit in, in recent years. And, um, Obviously, Big Ben moving on. They bring Trubisky in. They get uh, Kenny Pickett. But um, what what do you make of um, the Steelers? Uh, I, I know, obviously, we got a long way to go until football in September. But um, as we sit here today.
3: You know, I, make, I look at the Steelers a lot in the same way I look at the Patriots. You look at the roster, and you think to yourself, at least I do, they're really not that talented. But then you look at the coach, and you think to yourself, like, They'll probably find a way to win nine games because they just they won't beat themselves. They'll 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 wait for other teams to make mistakes. They'll pounce on them. Uh, now I will say this about Pittsburgh: they basically played last season without a quarterback and made the playoffs. I mean Roethlisberger, a deep ball for him was like twelve yards, and that team found a way to win nine games, get into the playoffs, and yeah, they got killed by Kansas City, but they got there. I don't know that Trubisky is any good. In fact, he has never proven to be good, but he might be better than what we saw last year out of Roethlisberger. I mean, he's probably better than that. He certainly has a better arm than that. And how long does he play over Pickett? I don't know. Depends, right? But I think um, the problem for Pittsburgh is the same problem we just talked about with Tennessee and and with a lot of these other teams in the AFC. You just look at that conference. you got to be a top-17 to get in the playoffs. Well, Cincinnati and Baltimore – are really good teams. I mean, Baltimore, I think, flies under the radar a little bit because they had so many injuries. That team was more injured than just about any team I can remember and was 7-2 and in a one seed in November at one point before the wheels finally just came off. They're really talented. They drafted well again. They had a good offseason. But I think Pittsburgh's going to be right around 500. I don't know that I think they're a playoff team. I do think they're they're one of those teams that you're going to have to beat them. Uh, And defensively, they're still very good offensively, that's going to be the challenge. Is the line any better? Can they get anything out of the quarterbacks? I like the receivers. I like Fryermuth a lot at tight end. I just don't know what you're getting out of them offensively if it's going to be enough to win 10 games, which I think is going to be probably the magic number to make the playoffs in the AFC.
2: Matt, I'm interested to get your thoughts on Lamar Jackson and this contract situation because it's quite different to what what we've seen in the past. I mean, Kyler Murray essentially is – you know he can't wait to get paid most quarterbacks are anxious right. to get the contract because they're concerned about potentially getting an injury during their career and then obviously the money is secure but he's gone a different way about it he doesn't have an agent he seems to be reliant on his mother to get involved in negotiations there i read a reporter speak where the ravens have said they may get frustrated and actually pull back on this completely and this time next year he could potentially be you know, going into the season going into the offseason as a free agent
3: well you know, I wrote about this a few weeks ago on my, my weekly column, The Fanside Stack in the Box, just the column set of the podcast. But I um I, I did talk to some people around the league, a former GM, a few other people in the league didn't form me on the column. Basically, the the general consensus was look, every day that goes by, this becomes more and more of a problem for Baltimore. I mean, at some point here, you want to have cost certainty going forward. And if they have to tag him after the season, you're talking about forty million dollars against a cap. That's a huge difference from if they were to give give him an extension. Where that that extension would probably keep that number at half that. And then you know it would escalate up. Um that's a that's a big sticking point, I'm sure, for their GM Eric DeCosta, who's probably trying to figure out, look, which way is this going to go? You mentioned he doesn't have an agent. That's a I don't want to say it's a problem, it's a complication. It it complicates matters because now you're sitting here, if you're Baltimore, and like look, normally a GM will talk to an agent and they have pretty frank conversations. Hey, we'd like to see this and guy. We like to see this guy improve here. He's strong here, but maybe this is lacking. Agents are used to that. That's the business. That's a hard thing to do to sit down with your player and say right to his face, hey, look, you're not that good at this. We have concerns about that. That's how sour feelings start, right? So, I think it does complicate things a little bit. Um, The Ravens have been very open in the fact they've reached out quite a bit. Lamar, according to them, has not not gone back and, and, and tried to strike a deal. This ends a couple of ways. This either ends with him finally coming to the table and them getting a deal done, or he lets this year play out. They have to tag him. Now, they'd still have the ability to tag him twice, although that becomes extremely expensive very quickly. Or the third route, which I wrote about in my column, which is I wouldn't say likely but possible. What if they were to let this year play out, and then trade him. And if he has a great year, they would get a record-setting type haul for him. I mean, the Broncos just traded two firsts, two seconds, and three players for Russell Wilson, who's excellent. A great player, but he's 34 years old. Jackson is in his mid-20s. I mean, Watson just got traded with all the off-field stuff going on for three first-round picks. I would imagine Jackson, I mean, is it four firsts and two seconds or something, or three firsts and three seconds, and a I mean, you would get a ridiculous haul, and then this is a draft class where a lot of people in the NFL feel like it's a loaded draft a quarterback. Uh, and you'd have him cheap, and you would have another thirty to $40 million in cap space to play with to build around this guy. So, if I'm Lamar, I really would think about getting a deal done for those reasons, and also, as we all know, you're one hit away in the NFL. And the way he plays, he's really one hit away, or he's one bad cut on a bad field at Heinz Field away from tearing his knee up. But yeah, I think he should sign, but... I'm not him, and he. but he's running a big risk, and I think he puts Baltimore in a tougher and tougher spot every day that goes by.
0: You mentioned Russell Wilson there, Matt. Uh, do you see any scenario in which he signs a new deal in the next few months before the season
3: starts, or do you think he'll start the season and maybe look at it at a future point? Oh, I think he would love to sign a new deal. I Now, if you're Denver, do you want to wait and see and have him play a year in your system with Nathaniel Hackett, new offense, the whole deal? Potentially, the problem if you're Denver is even if you want to wait and see what leverage do you have? You just gave up two firsts, two seconds, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke. Now, nobody cares who gave up Drew Locke, but Harris and Fant can play. Um, that's, that's quite a bit. Like, it's going to be hard for, for Denver, for, for George Payton to go to the table and go, Yeah, look, we're thinking about it, but we're not sure. I mean, if you're Russell Wilson, you're like, Well, you're going to pay me. What else are you going to do? It'd be the worst trade in franchise history if you don't. Um, I think he's going to end up getting, if he plays reasonably well, $50 million a year. I, I do think I'll get that. Um, the cap's going to go up significantly over the next couple of years. Amazon's now involved with Thursday Night Football. The gambling money that's coming in. The cap is going to explode. There are some people in the league that think by the end of this decade the cap's going to be about four hundred million dollars. So um, when when you start looking at at Wilson getting fifty million a year, that sounds crazy. It sounds like a lot. Think about Mahomes a couple of years ago, right? He got forty five million a year. Mahomes in three years is going to be like the eighth highest paid quarterback in football and have like eight years left in this contract. So the biggest concern of your Denver is with Wilson, that extension, let's say it's signed today would take him till he's like 41 years old. So you've got to structure it. You've got to structure the guarantees, but that Deshaun Watson deal really screwed over. A lot of teams are going to be signing quarterbacks because if you're Russell Wilson, I know you're older than, than Deshaun Watson, but you're sitting there going, that guy just got 230 million guaranteed. He's got 24 civil suits against him and didn't play last season. You're going to pay me, and he's going to get it because he has all the leverage. So I think whether it's just offseason or next, I think he'll get a huge extension.
1: Yeah, un- undoubtedly. Um, Matt, One of the um, teams, and I suppose people that you wrote about recently in your, your fan of column, um, and the lads will chuckle because they are a team I have a soft spot for, it, the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. And in fairness to, to Howie, how he has done right by Hertz, he's gone and given Hertz the the weapons to at least go and prove himself. I'm not, I I keep saying on the show I'm not saying Hertz is a franchise guy, but you got at least he he has done more than say a Drew Locke has done um, to to at least give him the opportunity to show what he can do.
3: Yeah, well, first off, I mean you've done more than Drew Locke has done. Uh, so you I know mean, let's let's be let's be clear about the Drew Locke. I think just threw another interception, um, but. That being said, I actually have a big piece coming out about the Eagles offseason next week. And to tease it, I think they won the offseason. I think they had the best offseason in football. Um, I like Hurts. I always have. I remember talking to him at the Combine during his presser. A really smart kid. Um, you know, Went to Alabama. Went to Oklahoma. Succeeded under Saban and Riley. Gets to the NFL. Um, you know, Is in a situation in Philadelphia where his first year barely played. Played a little bit. Was, was intriguing. Last year, was thrown into the fire with a team that really did not have a ton of weapons around him. Uh, and, and the one weapon they did on the outside, Devonta Smith, was a rookie. And yet, they won nine games. And they made the playoffs. Now, look, the Eagles are aware of the fact that they did not beat one good team last year. Every single team they beat was a team that did not make the playoffs. And when they got to the playoffs, they got handled. That being said, this offseason, I think, like I, I just outlined, I think it was great for them. They add James Bradbury. They add A.J. Brown, who we mentioned earlier. They 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 kept that offensive line together. They went out and they got... Uh, what I thought was a considerable haul in the draft with Jordan Davis in the first round, the Dean at linebacker in the third round, both guys out of Georgia off that great defense. Um, are they a Super Bowl team? No, I don't think so. But are they a team that could compete in that division? Are they a team that could win a playoff game? Yeah. And if they could do that, look, I think I think internally the Eagles, they'd be very happy with that. If they if they went to the playoffs and won a game this year, I think they'd have to feel like, they, like the arrow was pointed up. And again, you look at them, I don't know what Hurts is going to be as a passer. I think they were 25th in passing offense last year. They were first in the, run, in the run. Can he get that offense 15th in passing, 14th in passing? If you can do that and run the heck out of the football, you're you're a quality offense. Um, I like what they've done. And I think in that division, why, why could they not win that division? The Giants are the Giants until proven otherwise. Washington, um, they have talent. But I don't know that I believe in Carson Wentz. In fact, I don't believe in Carson Wentz. And Dallas, look, Dallas is more talented at the quarterback position, but Dallas lost a lot of guys. And the Cowboys were the most undisciplined team in the league last year, coached by a guy who, listen, McCarthy is a ring, but I don't think anybody thinks he's a top-five quarterback in the NFL or top-five coach in the NFL. Yeah, the Eagles, they did do a lot. They gave Hurts a chance, but if he's not good this year, they have two first-round picks next season and a loaded quarterback draft. So this is a huge, huge year for him. And if you want to look across the conferences, a huge year for Tua in Miami.
2: Matt, the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills are not only are they favorites for the division, they're the favorites for the Super Bowl this year at the moment, but the Dolphins have had a, have been very proactive in this offseason. You know, they've essentially rebuilding an offensive line, wide receivers in from the Cowboys, obviously the big one with Tyreek Hill. Um, what's your what's your thoughts on this team? Is, like is... This has to be the year for Tua, essentially. If he doesn't work out this year, you'd expect him to move on. from.
3: Oh, like I just said, I mean, this is it for Tua. Just like Hurts. I mean, I think Tua's under even more pressure in a lot of ways. I mean, because Hurts wasn't a top-five pick. Tua was. So this is a year, you know, I, I've been asked recently on different radio spots, of why does Tua get so much pressure? Well, because he was drafted in the same year as Burrow and Herbert. And that's why. And, you know, you start looking at those two guys. I mean, Burrow just took, a, took the Bengals to the Super Bowl, which is the equivalent to walking on water. And Herbert hasn't gone to the playoffs yet, but my God, he's put up unbelievable numbers. I don't think anybody would blame him for not getting to the postseason. So it is a lot on Tua. They have Waddle, They have Hill. They brought back Mike Kosicki, a tight end. The offensive line, they brought in Teron Armstead, who gets hurt a lot, but when he's there, he's a top-five left tackle in football. Uh, They brought in Raheem Mostert, at running back, who I like a lot. And then Mike McDaniel, of course, an offensive-minded coach. That's a lot. That's a lot to add to what was already a pretty good defense. Um if you're Miami, and Wilson, you have, Wilson, you have to Wilson
2: the wide receiver from the Cowboys, is really good as well. They brought him in.
3: Yeah, I mean, you've you've got to make the playoffs this year. You've got to make the playoffs this year if my, you're Miami. Look, if they get to the playoffs and they lose a game in the postseason as some team that's really good in the AFC, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. You've got to get in. Um, they're more talented than the Jets and the Patriots. Now nobody would expect them to beat out Buffalo. I think that would be a stretch, but they're more talented than those other teams. The question now becomes. How good can Tua be with the guys around him? I mean, we keep hearing about what the offensive line's been bad. He hasn't had weapons, which is all true. Now you do. And if he goes out and struggles, yeah, I think this is it for him in South Beach. I think that would be the end of the road. They'd move on. Um, They're going to have to become a team that can score more consistently than they have. Um, And, again, in that conference, you're going to have to get the 10 wins minimum. And can they do it? Maybe. Um, I don't have them as a playoff team, but I do think that they're they're potentially one if Tua can step up and be what they thought he was going to be coming out of Alabama a few years ago.
0: Just a very very quick final round. just for, just quick for our questions, Matt. Uh, I can see you're based in Chicago. A lot of Bears fans in Ireland. Uh, what's your thoughts on Justin Fields? Some you know decent reports coming out of camp so far.
3: I, I like him a lot. I really do. I thought last year when he was upright, he showed he could throw the football. The, the problem was he wasn't upright very often. I, I don't think that the Bears have done him a whole lot of favors this offseason. Um, I mean, the biggest offseason addition was what, Byron Pringle out of Kansas City, um, who is fine with Mahomes. I don't know what he's going to be like away from him. But my bigger concern right now is I, I feel like Ryan Paul's the first year GM there and, and Matt Eberflus the first year head coach. They're they're getting their feet under them, and it's a rebuild. I understand all that, but they let Allen Robinson walk, and they did nothing to replace him. And you're sitting there looking at this team. I mean, who is is Justin Fields throwing to? Cole Komet, Equiminius, St. Brown, Pringle? That's no way to live. Like you You need more talent than that around you. The offensive line's not good either. So that concerns me. I think he's really talented. I think if they support him correctly, he can be very good. But right now, I just worry that he's, maybe as the worst supporting cast in the NFL. I don't know that, that there's anybody around him that I would say, sure, he looks like he's going to be able to throw for 4,000 yards. I mean, Mooney is the best guy on the team, and I like Mooney a lot, but after that, it's a pretty steep drop-off.
0: Maybe
1: um, sticking, say, with the, the NFC North and the, the factory of sadness in Detroit, what, what do you make of uh, the Lions and uh, heading into Dan Campbell's second season?
3: You know, I actually think they're on the come up a little bit. Goff is going to cap them offensively because he is who he is. But I actually think off, you know, overall, they're, they're getting better. I love their draft. Aiden Hutchinson, I got to spend a couple of days behind the scenes with him before the draft, actually during Super Bowl week out in Thousand Oaks, California. and Super impressed by him, both on the field and off, getting to know him and his family a little bit. Um, I think he's going to be a real asset there back in his – And then Jameson Williams, I know he's coming off the ACL. It might take a little while to get up to speed, but that kid is electrifying. Detroit also, look, Brad Holmes, I think, has done a nice job at GM. They have John Dorsey in that front office. Nobody has drafted better in the last decade than John Dorsey. Nobody. I mean, you go and look at his drafts in Kansas City and Cleveland. I'm not saying there aren't misses. There's misses for everybody, but he – I mean, down the line, he is drafted well every year. So having his voice in that front office, I think, helps a lot. Um, I think their offensive line is really good. Uh, Akuda, it's a make-or-break year for him at corner, but I like Jerry Jacobs. I think he was a really nice find from them last season. I think the Lions are actually going in a good direction. I think they're the kind of team they win like five or six games, but you're going to look at them and go, "Man, they you know they really could have won like eight games. You know they were right there. You know they. I, I think they need another offseason and a quarterback, but I do think that they're really. In the, in the right direction. And I like Campbell. I think Campbell is going to be a nice fit for them. And I think he fits that personality in that city.
2: Matt, there's a lot of Saints fans that are quite confident that they will be back in the playoffs this year. I mean, they've, they've taken care of the books quite well over the few years with the exception of that playoff defeat. And yeah. Mickey Lewis you know, got you know praise for the, the two picks in the first round this year. Since then, Honey Badger and Landry experienced players that they can add to that team. Are you, are you high on the Saints?
3: I think they can make the playoffs. Um, it's, it's the lesser of the two conferences. The big question with them is Jameis. I mean, is it just, is it last year before he got hurt, he limited his interceptions, but he threw for like 170 yards a game or something like that. Uh, they had no weapons around and Now Michael Thomas is still dealing with the ankle. He's doubtful for minicamp, but he's coming back. Supposedly you bring in Chris Olave, you bring in Jarvis Landry, as you mentioned, honey, honey, badger on the other side. I think defensively they're going to be very uh, formidable, you know, with with Honey Badger and Lattimore and and all these. I mean, you know, uh, Jordan and all this goes on. Davenport, Davis in the middle. I think they'll be fine defensively. Dennis Allen, but without Sean Payton, and now with Jameis, I do wonder offensively. Are they competent? Are they inept? Are are they are they surprisingly really good? Um, I think they're going to win right around nine games. And in the NFC, that might get you in the playoffs. I don't think they're an easy out, and I think they're also buoyed by the fact that Carolina is not good, and Atlanta is the closest thing to an expansion team that there is. Um, so th- that might be that might be enough. You know if you win those games, yeah you know, that might might be enough to get you to nine to ten wins, and I think they get you in the playoffs.
0: I'm, I'm loving it man. I'm, I'm loving these takes man seriously we'll have to get you on again soon uh, look thanks so much for coming on do you, do, you, do you even want to just tell the listeners in Ireland the the, the UK and Europe where they can listen to you and, and read your content as well
3: sure thanks uh at fansided.com you can read my column every Monday morning it goes up uh 6 a.m Eastern uh it, it's in the box covers the whole league um and then uh this this upcoming week will be about the Patriots as the lead and then everything else will follow after uh, and then the the box, the podcast is on Tuesdays at 11 o'clock central, uh, noon Eastern. Uh, that's on YouTube. You can check it out. Just subscribe to the channel. Uh, we have a lot of fun with that. If you have a question, you can leave it in the chat and we'll try to answer it. Um, so we'll do that during the season. There's a, there's a million different ways to follow my content during the off season. That's, that's the main way you got a piece coming out on the Eagles, uh, an inside look, uh, for their off season. So that, that'll be up probably Monday or Tuesday next week. And, uh, yeah, just roll from there. Try to get a little bit of relaxation before the uh, the season starts. But the NFL isn't the NFL's is not very good at relaxing. So we'll see how things shake. Yeah, it's
0: been it's been a mad few weeks and months. We will retweet some of that stuff, folks, on our Twitter account this week as well. Massive thanks to Matt for coming on. Chat to you again soon, Matt.